Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But I also want to thank Will Kane for joining us. And Will, how are you well, doing this well, morning? Well, we couldn't bring you on before that now. That, that's <laughs> not the way to bring you on. I mean, Joy Mode got their money's worth out of that read. The enthusiasm there coming from Jerry <laughs> is enough for double the rate on that advertisement. Hey, hey, Will, you're first. I never thought we'd have on coffee and football. Somebody that scored a collegiate water polo goal. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's a story about that goal. Uh, so I was a water polo player at Pepperdine. I, I grew up as a swimmer in Sherman, Texas, and – uh, like most guys in Texas, you know, all of my attention was devoted to team sports, even if I didn't play team sports like basketball or football, but that's where all my energy and fandom was focused. Uh, so I wanted to walk on uh, to something that I thought would translate into my skills. Now, Pepperdine had a very open walk-on program. They're, they're incredible at water polo. They're a top 10 program in the country and won the national championship the year after I graduated. But I, I was a scrub. I was into the bench. I was in charge of, uh, you know, team enthusiasm, like your read for joy mode. I, I, I was I was there to keep the bench and everybody there on the same program. And those guys, I think, are important to a program. I, I listen to Sarkeesian. I look at the guys down at the end of the bench who keep you can see it more readily in basketball. Got, you know, uh, guys that are there to make sure this team has the right attitude. So that was my job. But I got a little playing time, especially my senior year. And we were playing the university, UC Santa Barbara. And um I got a breakaway, uh, one on nobody, but there was a guy coming on my hip and I was, I was headed towards the goal. The goalie, my goalie put a wonderful pass over my head, swam right onto it, picked it up and it's called a, a donut or a bunny ear. I put it right between the goalie's arms. His arms are up like this, put it right over his head, scored. And to this day, I don't want to call it legendary, but it is remembered by my head coach, Terry Schroeder, my assistant coach, Jim McMillan and all my teammates that my celebration when I scored that goal was hook them. I raised hook them right there in the pool at UC Santa Barbara. It made no sense. It made about as much sense as a Arkansas Missouri game with everybody doing horns down. It was a UC Santa Barbara Pepperdine waves water polo game celebrated by horns up. Uh, you, you answered my question. I was going to ask, was that, was that a home game at Pepperdine or were y'all slumming it up at UC Santa Barbara? But you answered that question for me because look, Pepperdine, before we get into Texas, Pepperdine has to be the best college campus in the world. I mean, I, every time I go to L.A., I go up there. There's a little park across from Pepperdine, and I eat there just looking over the Pacific. I just grab a lunch and go eat there. Uh, just uh, how awesome was that before you obviously uh, went to the University of Texas, uh, got that law degree? How awesome was it to actually go to college there and wake up in Malibu every morning? <laughs> I mean, for people that have been to Pepperdine, it's, uh, it's incredible. It is. It's on the it's 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 not on the beach, but it's on the mountains right above the beach in Malibu. And look, I um I have a lot of fondness for Pepperdine and, and I love it. And I'm still I work with Pepperdine today and I and I love the path that Pepperdine is on academically and specifically in, in working to fill a need that I'm passionate about. And I'm not going to talk about politics with you here today, but I am worried about the state of education in this country. And so I think Pepperdine is 
promises to possibly be one of the few outlets out there where a parent can feel good about sending their kids to school. But, you know, Malibu was extremely attractive to me as an 18 year old. Jerry, guys our age, I, I, I contend this to this day, it applied to me. We romanticized California. It's where all the movies came from, all the music came from. And growing up in Sherman, Texas, which felt like it's not, and it's my favorite town in the world, uh, but it felt like then the middle of nowhere. So I wanted to go where it was happening and I wanted to go to California. It's interesting now that it, that is not the case for young people. Like I know a ton of Californians and they're all headed to TCU, which is wild to my mind, but they, they want to go to TCU. So I wanted to go to California and I, and I saw that campus and it is gorgeous, but at least for the first two years at Pepperdine, I was busy being envious of my buddies out at field parties in Waco or BYOB bars uh, outside of Waco. The guys, my, my high school buddies that were at Baylor or at UT, and I was kind of just jealous of what ended up being, in my mind, a more, more typical collegiate experience back home in Texas. But that being said, uh, all I'm telling you is you send an 18-year-old to the beach and you can be guaranteed he's going to take it for granted. And he thinks he's going to have just as much fun out in a field outside of Waco. But the school itself, Pepperdine, is is awesome. Love Pepperdine. I got to know, Will, do you, do you follow Pepperdine sports as much as you follow Texas sports? So this has become a thing. Um, <laughs> it's become a thing where I've had some meetings with Pepperdine. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like I've had meetings. I've met with the president and I love Pepperdine, but they have said to me, hey, you uh, you really you, you really help push Texas. Like, you, you know, you, you're really proud and you use your social media and you talk about it on television. And it's true. I'm. I, and, and by the way, now the second team I talk about most outside of Texas is Clemson because my nephew who played offensive line at Odessa Permian. Okay. And, and could have gone in, you guys will know who he is because you follow recruiting, but it's Harris Sewell yep. um, who was a four star last year um, and, and liked Kyle flood and loved Texas and knew that his uncle wanted him to be a longhorn called me one night and said, uncle will, I got to tell you, I'm going to Clemson. And, and I said, man, you do what's right for you. And I know why he went to Clemson. I know what's special about Dabo and I know what's special about that program now. And he started as a freshman. Um, so I've given a lot of attention to the, obviously the Longhorns and to Clemson and Pepperdine has been like, Hey, we're doing pretty decent at, you know, golf. And I'm like, I love that. I, you know, and, uh, I want them to get, I wish they were, and I hope that they're on the path to pursuing being Gonzaga in basketball. Exactly. I mean, there's no reason you can't have a Gonzaga type program in Malibu. And by the way, the fact is tech, uh, Pepperdine won the national championship in baseball the year before I went. And that played a role in why I went to Pepperdine. I wanted to root for something and you have, I mean, football eats up 80% of the energy. College basketball eats up another 17. And you got about 3% for baseball as fans. But um, you need to be good at sports. You need to be good at football or basketball primarily to attract students to your school. So I need to give more attention to Pepperdine. Pepperdine needs to invest in basketball. I'm right there with you, Will, because Pepperdine is one of my favorite schools late at night to bet on when there's nothing else on. So <laughs> they're, they're certainly up my list there in that, in that regard. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts flipping back over to Texas football a little bit. Yeah. Texas obviously made what was a, a run of which we haven't seen in about 15 or 16 years, whatever it might be. I wanted to get your thoughts on the season, how it ended, and obviously the path in which got Texas to, to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and and ultimately what you thought you know was a successful season for Texas, and what might be a, a pretty successful season coming up again as we head into the SEC. 
So first of all, uh, history. The reason I'm such a big Texas Longhorn fan is after I went to Pepperdine, I went to law school at UT. And although I'd kind of liked UT before that, my dad was an SMU guy. So I, I, I grew up like every other college in Texas, a little bit hating Texas. That's kind of just how it is if you're any other school in Texas. But once I got to law school at UT, it was the time of Ricky Williams. I mean, I went all in and I, and I, and I stayed with it to the extent that I know who you guys are. I follow you guys. I, I followed Jerry for years. I'm a dork. I love and I hate to say that because you're all dorks as well. And everybody watching is a dork in that we care about what the decisions of high schoolers might, might be. And I do, you know, I keep up with everything, you know, I'm, I'm aware of KJ Lacey and I want to see what we're going to do about uh, Jordan Davidson in 25, you know, getting running back, the running back in. I, I mean, I, every day, by the way, it's just part of my cycle. Every day I read about Texas recruiting. I, so the, the optimist in me is, is no, I want to start with pessimism. The pessimism in me is I'm a huge Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks fan as well, stars. And when the Rangers were on their run this year, you know, I, I got into this place where it was like, well, everything is icing. I didn't expect it to go this way. We're in the ALCS. If we lose, it will still be an amazing season. And my brother-in-law was like, you can't do that, man, because when you have your moment, you have to capitalize. You never know how often you will be back. And then now that the Rangers won the World Series, I know he was right. I still would have been pleased, but how much how much better is it that it ended the way it's supposed to end? So the pessimist in me is I hate that the Longhorns got that far. And I'm not I'm not ready to say Washington was a better team. I think there was a lot of things that we could have done in that game. And and I, I just uh, the, the pessimist in me is like, I wish we would have struck while the iron was hot. Now, the optimist in me is I've had a five hundred dollar bet with that same brother in law, the Texas. Here's the specific bet. That we will win the SEC within five years of joining the conference. You're gonna now he's he's a hater. He's an Arkansas and Tech guy, and he he feels confident for some reason. So we doubled it up. It's a thousand dollars now that we'll win. We'll win the SEC within five years, and I feel extremely confident. Like if he wants to do another double, I feel confident. Your bet. Yeah, I feel great. And look, with Quinn Ewers coming back. Um, and then it being passed on to Arch Manning, you've got the most important position in football locked up for the next at least four years, maybe three years. We'll see what Arch's plan is. But um, I feel good. There's one. There's probably one place, if we want to get into the nitty-gritty, I, I, there was one place I'm concerned, and it's defensive line. It's defensive tackle. I, I like that bet as well. I mean, I'm – I'm a gambler by trade, so that's tremendous. Uh, well, I also live on the internet, so Twitter is where that's my domain. I live, I speak internet. I, I know the, the the depths of Twitter can be mean sometimes. They pull receipts. They like going back into where you know your bad takes get surfaced more times than they, they don't. Right? I don't know what this is going to be, but this could be good. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go back to a, a clip that you had from October 22nd, and it was two or three starts in the Quinny Rosera, and you liked what you saw. You know, it was. I'm very adamant. I'll double down on this, basically. Uh, verbatim, you said, you know, Quinn Ewers is going to be a very good college quarterback. He's, I think you mentioned he might win a Heisman. Uh, but he will eventually go on and be a very successful NFL quarterback as well. I said Following all that. what we saw this past season and moving into the SEC, how do you feel about that take? And, I mean, do you still think we're on that right path to seeing Quinn Ewers be that first successful Texas quarterback in quite a while? I said all that. Um, you know, I got, it. I got the tweets. <laughs> Okay, so I now host, in addition to hosting Fox and Friends Weekend, I host the Will Kane Show 
uh, every day. It streams at noon at foxnews.com and on Fox's YouTube channel. And I talk sports. I try to talk at one third of my content on a daily basis. I do politics, I do culture, and I try to talk sports. When I was at ESPN, I had, had a daily radio show. And one of the lessons you learn in, in, in content for a national audience is, and I'll tell the audience this and you should know it. I mean, there's a maxim, play the hits. And I'll tell you who's the best at playing the hits. It's Colin Coward. Colin Coward is where, however everyone feels about him, an excellent national radio host in terms of producing content. He's purposeful. He's calculated. He thinks about what the biggest audience wants to hear. And in playing the hits, you can't overindulge the things that you love. For me, that primarily impacted me with the Mavericks because the Mavericks are a national team. It meant I could talk about the Cowboys whenever I wanted. And I could talk about the Longhorns uh, often. And so when I do my daily show now, I try to be a little bit careful about don't do too much Longhorns. I've got an audience that's there for culture, an audience that's there, there for politics. But on Fridays, we have devoted the full episode to sports exclusive. So on my Friday episode of my show, I only do sports. I tell you all this because last Friday, my episode was with my former ESPN colleague, Florida State quarterback, NFL quarterback, Danny Cannell. And I brought up Quinn and I said, Danny, there's been this conversation, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you don't learn to be accurate. You're born accurate. Or it settles in when you're like, I don't know, 16 or 17 years old. Everybody said it about Josh Allen. They've said it about Lamar Jackson. And it may not be true because Allen, for one, has gotten way more accurate as a pro. What I'm leading all this to is I asked Canell about Ewers because Ewers maybe has as much talent, arm talent, as anybody that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't mean I think he is Patrick Mahomes. I'm talking about just wing it off platform, bad feet, arm. But what I've what, what the biggest thing that concerns me from the take that I gave in October, and I think that Quinn is going to be the leading candidate for the Heisman. He will be a first round quarterback. But for him to be an NFL quarterback that's a success, my biggest concern actually is inaccuracy. So I, I'm a little surprised how inaccurate he is on the long ball. I'm a little surprised. It's mainly the long ball. Um, I'm a little surprised about some things that if I were an NFL GM, I'd be like, can these be fixed? I've got all this talent, but it hasn't yet added up to the guy that absolutely takes over and is the best player on the field and wins the game. And that's what I would hope we'd see this year from Quinn Ewers. I, I think that's a good take. I mean, look, I, that is the next big step for Quinn. Um, I, I, talk, I spoke with somebody close to his camp recently, and they think you're going to see a stronger version. Now that he's reshaped his body, you're going to see a stronger version of Quinn, a more confident version of Quinn in year three. But to that accuracy point, I, I totally agree. That's going to be the next big step for him, right? I mean, he made a step from year one, starter year one to year two. If he makes the same step year three, then we may be having that, a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting. Because to your point, Will, Texas is going to be faster on offense next year. That means there's going to be more guys running down the field. That means you have to put the ball in positions for, the, for those guys to make a play down the field. So it's a great opportunity for Quinn next season to answer those questions that this NFL scouts have as well going into the next year. So you, you said Texas is going to be faster. I'm going to use this opportunity to talk to you guys as well about something. So I'm one of these fans, and maybe this is the pessimist to me. When you say faster, Jerry, I'm sure you're talking about you're talking about Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden. Um, I Not guess Isaiah Bond. But, yeah. but, I mean, I worry about replacing Worthy on the speed front, but I hear you on those guys, um, especially Bolden or Cook out of the out of the slot. 
or I guess Cook will probably be on the outside. What I worry, I'm one of these dumb fans that worries about something that you shouldn't worry about, which is we've upgraded talent so many different places through the portal. And I'm worried about getting on the portal Ferris wheel because <laughs> I, I, I mean, it. I'm like, there's two positions that worry me, defensive end and, and, and wide receiver on this front. And that is, I don't want to lose Ryan Wingo to the transfer portal. I don't want to lose. Uh, I want to, honestly, I'm always just like, I want to know what is in Ryan Niblett's bag. I kind of want to know, like, how good is he? And I'm worried that we're not going to see it this year. I don't know what we'll see the next year. And before you know it, Ryan Niblett, or, and I hope not Ryan Wingo, are playing wide receiver for Missouri and, and UTEP. And, and I just, I worry, same thing with defensive end, like, um, there's some guys, at least with some four stars, and you would think some talent, kind of buried now. And I just worried about, well, if we lose them, then we got to get another transfer the next year and another transfer the next year. And now we're on the Ferris wheel. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, it's perfectly fair. I mean, you're, you're looking right now at what Notre Dame's doing at quarterback in which they didn't recruit the position well and you had to go out, you get Sam Hartman for a rental year, and now you're doing the same thing with Riley Leonard. What's next for them at that position? I don't think Texas will get to that point. And so uh, we, we brought this up a uh, – uh, a couple episodes ago, Texas is starting. It's the projected starter right now. It's 21 out of 22 guys on the both sides of the ball will have at least one start somewhere on their power five level at some point in their, their career before coming to Texas. To me, that's very important because not only do you get the reps for these younger guys behind the scenes, they're, they're time to develop behind the scenes, get acclimated to the speed of the game, but also really just used to being a college athlete because that's a bit of a stretch early on. And my biggest issue for Texas for really the last decade was the really the flood of guys that you see too early in their career in which they're thrown into a fire. They don't necessarily have their feet under them and aren't ready for college football already. And that to me has been something that Sarkeesian has addressed very well in the sense that there's going to be depth at all positions at all times. And he came in early right away and said, all right, offensive line, we've got nine guys. This cannot be the standard here. We've got to get that fixed. And to that point, I haven't, we haven't seen an offensive lineman transfer out. That's yet. one of the, CJ, that's one of the biggest success stories. That 2022 class, I can't believe no one's transferred out of the, out of the class. And I love it. And I hope they don't. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and that, that, that to me is kind of that. Yeah. That, they're going to have four NFL draft picks out of that group, by the way, too, it, it coming up. But yeah, to your point, uh, CJ, I think that's a good point. And here's the other thing is with the younger kids, Will, I think it's a great point. And here's where I think it for the Blue Bloods, it, it's a positive because you're going to have guys leave a program that are going to be as talented as Texas, Georgia, Alabama. Look how many guys just left Georgia. It's going to see who's going to stick with your process and really put development first and show a little bit of patience, right? Now, NIL may make it easier for some guys to show patience, let's be real. But I think that's going to be so interesting and fascinating for this coaching staff, I think that's a no. They have a great feel for who's going to continue to be bought in to developing as players. And to CJ's point on the offensive line, that's what you've seen. I mean, Neto's had to be very uh, patient. Right. He's, he's one I've talked about a lot. He's the top 100-ranked guy in the country. And he's has he had 100 snaps combined in two years? Probably not. 
This year, is he one of the four? Yes. Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell um, from that class. I guess Cam Williams, but then Cole Hudson or Neto, one of the other, is your fourth NFL player? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, look, I think Kelvin's going to be a first-rounder. In Austin, they think Cam Williams may end up being a first-rounder long-term. Uh, and I can see it talent-wise, just the frame, the athleticism. He's going to interview well when he gets to that part of the process. Really good dude. Uh, but DJ Campbell. Obviously, they, they think it's going to be an NFL draft pick. And then it gets down to does Neto maximize his talent? Could Cole Hudson get a look at center long term uh, in that class? So there, there's a lot of pieces in that class. But that's been the number I've continued to hear now headed into year three is they think there's four draft picks out of that group. That would be that would be amazing. Hey, hey, Will, I have a question for you. Yeah. Future college football and college sports. There's a lot going on, right? You saw the ruling with Dartmouth yesterday. Um, Kat, where do you think all this is headed? I think the three of us here uh, uh, think a couple of 2014 super conferences is where we're headed, Big Ten and SEC. What do you think about the landscape right now? What are your thoughts on where it's headed long term? Well, the first thing I think about long term, I talked about this on my show and you just brought up NIL. Um, I had this fascinating conversation. I'm not going to reveal the names of the schools, but they are schools that we all um, are very familiar with, and uh, they are schools that we they're they're pertinent to our conversation. The, the I was told a story from high up that in a non-revenue generating sport, so we're not talking about football, an athlete that was offered a full ride to a smaller but Division one school chose to forego his full ride to go to another much bigger school with no scholarship offer whatsoever because his NIL offer exceeded the value of the scholarship. Now, I'd never thought about that. I've always thought about NIL as a supplement to a scholarship. And I don't know if we thought about what that means for the future of college sports. And we'll get to football in your super conference. I don't want to ignore that. But, you know, Title IX, I played a sport that that in water polo that would have been affected greatly by Title IX. You know, you got the same number of scholarships for men and women. And because football eats up so many scholarships, women have so many other sports available to them than men. And then in the sports that we do share, like volleyball, men get four and a half, women get 12. That's all part of the Title IX. But the currency to make it even is the scholarship. And if the scholarship loses its value and NIL becomes the main currency, I don't, I mean, this isn't like some cause I'm ready to bang the drum about, but your efforts to make gender equality in collegiate sports is all of a sudden undercut. Now it's applied to football. I mean, who knows what I, you may, you guys may know what Isaiah Bond got. I mean, we hear stories about what Arch is getting. What does the scholarship matter at that point? <laughs> if you're getting seven figures, if you're getting high six figures, why does a scholarship matter to you? And so what do we have? An 85 player scholarship limit. So, I mean, could Texas or these kind of big programs be offering NILs? And I know the market doesn't dictate this. You wouldn't, but can you get around the scholarship limit by, NILing a guy to some great level that that you can have effectively a hundred guys on your roster. I just we're in the wild wild west, and I don't know I don't know the outcome, but I know that we're shaking the ground under our feet on college football. And yeah, you're probably right. It's like I like soccer. It's like they've been trying to create the super league of the revenue generating programs in soccer for European soccer for years. That's probably where we're headed with college football. You know, whatever the twenty to thirty biggest revenue generating programs are, decide that. The Iowa states of the world aren't necessary for big ratings. I think to your point, uh, how do you work past that 85 number? 
I can see a, a number of your specialists, right? Don't have to be scholarship players anymore. Mm -hmm. So does a bird Auburn ever really need a scholarship because of what he's, he's doing in NIL. Right. And can you set that up some of these universities to where that's four or five extra scholarships, your deep, your deep snapper, your kicker, your punter, you yeah. know, a short snapper, what have you, that could end up being four or five extra scholarships that you could pocket over here with NIL that you can bring in additional numbers to your premium position. So I think that's kind of an area that they're going to work around it, but, um, that, you know, the scholarship, uh, that that's what's going to be interesting, Will, to me long term with this is, you know, is a union form. Is it going to be profit sharing at that point? Are these guys going to become employees of the state where they go to school? That's kind of been my question long term with where all this is headed. I don't know in, if we have the answers, but I could see that being a long term thing that happens. And what will be sad and to, to your point on the Super League, at some point, the SEC, for example, if this is the future, starts kicking schools out, right? I mean, you know, the SEC looks at Vanderbilt and says, "What is it? What does it add?" I mean, I know it adds academic prestige, right. or, or but it could be even worse. And Vanderbilt's an easy one to uh, pick on. I mean, you could say Mississippi State. You, what, you know, I brought up Iowa State a minute ago. With the they'll be left in the Big Twelve, but the the, the gap. It's not the gap between the the haves and the have-nots that'll be matter in the future. Meaning. It'll, it'll be the gap between the merely, you know, I've always, we've always said this in, in politics or in, in America, the biggest resentment in the world is the merely rich to the very wealthy. Like you, you see people who are really mad. It's not the middle class. It's like the, it's like just wealthy people who look at really wealthy people with a lot of anger or envy. It, it could be the upper middle class of college football. Again, whoever that is, is that Mississippi state? I don't know who looks at Georgia and Texas and Alabama and and the separation starts right there like well we don't need you you know we, we don't need Mississippi State we've got enough and I'm not saying that I'm a I got friends that went to Mississippi State I'm not trying to pick on them either I like I like Mississippi State but I'm just trying to say this could be where we're headed towards this kicking people out that aren't in the top however many programs we decide are the the very wealthy well, last thing I have before we let you go, we know what you got things to do. We're so grateful for you coming on, taking 25, 30 minutes with us is your excitement level for Texas. I've kind of said on the show here, I think it's the most anticipated spring practice for Texas since maybe 2004. Um, with the move to the SEC coming off the playoff, look, last year uh, it was, was, how, was Arch going to get reps in spring practice? Now it's going to be Quinn and Arch in the spring game, right, with Trey Owens getting some reps. 17 early enrollees, Isaiah Bond, Nye Black, Matthew Gold, all the guys from the portal coming in. How, where is this for you? How excited are you? Where does it register for you? That with the move to the SEC for Texas football headed in the next season. I, I think it's the most anticipated season in 20 years. Oh, no doubt. The ratings for college football are going to be insane this year. Georgia, Michigan, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. This is going to be insane this year. Uh, first, because I am I love this stuff and I don't get to talk to you guys that much. I, here's what I'll be interested in spring. I'll be interested in running back and defensive tackle. You guys have written about it. Everybody's written about it. Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton have to be studs. Um, otherwise, I don't know if the Texas defense is going to be enough to, to make year one the year that we win the SEC in my bet. Um, and then on running back, I'm just sort of excited about uh, – the upside, actually, I, I want to see Jaden Blue uh, really take that next step. 
Um, I was a big CJ Baxter believer early in the season, but by the end, like all of us, like, wow, look what Blue's got. Um, and then those two freshmen, by the way, that everybody talks up, specifically Christian Clark. But um, that's what I'll be looking for in, in spring ball. And then, um, yeah, it, it, this, this, I'm, I'm excited. Texas football looks bright, man. I mean, really, really bright. I think we've finally taken that step where we're not the punching bag, the joke of Texas is back. I mean, I legitimately think Texas is back. That doesn't mean undefeated. That may not mean SEC champion. It should mean uh, playoff with 12 teams. And with this roster, I think anything could happen in the playoff. I think any, I think they could win a national championship. I truly do. And again, it's a new world of college football. The national champion may have two losses, right? I mean, with the SEC like this, that's the way it could go. But I don't think the ceiling is there for the Longhorns. I think they can do anything that Sarkeesian can bring this team together to do. So, yeah, I'm incredibly pumped Texas is back. Well, Will, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before you get out of here, let folks know if they want to check you out further, where they can hear you, where they can see you. I appreciate that, man. So uh, every day, 12 Eastern, 11 Central, the Will Kane Show. Go to foxnews.com or use YouTube, streaming live right there. It's always available on podcast as well at Apple, Spotify, or Fox News Podcast. It's the Will Kane Show. And then I host Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday mornings from New York City. I commute every week from Texas back up to New York to host Fox and Friends. Um, so check us out 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday and Sunday mornings on Fox. All right, Will. Thank you so much for joining us. What we'll to get you back on right before football whoa, 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 season. You can't get out of here without a hook em. Absolutely. Hook em. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Uh, Will Kane, everybody. Great guest. Phenomenal guest, fellas. The guy that knows his football, too. I mean, he went in-depth there. Very yeah, in-depth. No, yeah, look, I mean, uh, we, him and I have kind of we exchanged some uh, messages, and I, I knew he was a guy that followed recruiting for years and years, man. So it's, it's awesome when a guy comes on uh, of his stature and literally is naming 2025 recruits. <laughs> I mean, KJ Lacey and Jordan Davidson get a shot, a shout out today. I mean, that's that. Will Kane is on it in recruiting. I didn't. We didn't even have enough time for me to ask him about. You know, he graduated from Sherman. We asked him before the show, but uh, you know, Sherman High School has always been known to me by Hunter Hunter the punter, as we'll call him. I call him Hunter Smith, the punter from uh, Notre Dame, and in the NFL from Sherman High, man. So uh, I think Will graduated a couple of years before uh hunter smith did but that's that's really cool man i thank you very much to will for coming on 